Hello and welcome back to the Ascent Cycling Podcast for the daily recap number six following today's stage of the Tour de France between Tour and Chateauroux sprint stage. That's so yet again the win of the Max Messon Mark Cavendish getting a 30-second win on the Tour de France. But first of all, I'm joined once again by Joe. Joe, how are you? Salut, amigo. How are you? I'm, I'm very well. We're, we're going bilingual. Okay, you've ended the episode last yesterday in French. Now we're opening with some language because salut amigo is two languages but we move um but yeah what do you make of uh, of today's stage joe well i thought it was all about the sprint finish actually we did have an interesting situation right at the beginning of the stage eight man breakaway i think it was the likes of casper askrin was there greg van avermaet a couple of other really good riders nils pollett as well um in the end though they were reeled in and we had a two-man breakaway greg van avermaet alongside Roger Kluger. They had no chance, basically. It was always destined to be a sprint in Chateauroux. And, of course, the Max Missile delivers again. Number 32. Two behind the great Eddie Merckx. The all-time record at the Tour de France is within reach, officially. I think, from this point on, it looks like Cavendish is the best sprinter here. And I think um, he's not saying it himself, but everyone is looking to see if he can equal that record. I think he got that even has been mentioned in today's interview. And he says he does not want to head an name Eddie Merckx. He just wants to take the stages day in, day out. If he's good enough to win 50, he'll win 50. If he's not good enough to win any more, then, then so be it. Uh, but yeah, an, a very decent sprint from, uh, from Mark. But taking a look at, as you said, the breakaway, actually something I did not expect at all because we did have so an early move with two Lotos. Then I believe Greg Van Avermaet, then Oliver Nassen tried to bridge it and at that point De Conoc decided to pace and to chase them and then to send the likes of Kasper Asgren in the breakaway you had the likes of Zoran Kraft Anderson basically every sprint team had someone at the front except uh, FDJ I think it's it's a tradition for FDJ to uh, to literally miss the breakaways uh, so they had to reel them back in and then as you mentioned Van Avermaet Roger Cluje go up with 2.5k to go until the line um, very close to where Jacopo Guarnieri crashed in the finish uh, lone crash didn't disrupt anything but the train of FDJ once again um, and yeah a, a solid sprint for Mark Cavendish actually an interesting um, well an odd sprint because Alpes and Phoenix I think we, we need to talk about about what they're doing they have Tim Merlier and Jasper Philipson they claimed they were going for Tim Merlier Jasper Philipson went for the intermediate sprints Tim Merlier led out Jasper Philipson but he, he, he was the, the fastest out of the two. So they ended up losing to Mark Cavendish. So you think if Merlier went, he wins today? If they went for Merlier? Not sure he wins, but he would have given a bigger challenge. Ah, it's an interesting one. I think, obviously, Merlier won the stage. Philipson... thing is, Philipson would have won stage two as well, right? If Merlier led him out there because no one was coming round. No one was even close to Alpes in that day. So I feel like Philipson would have won that... Or oh, sorry, stage three, whether all those crashes... Um, and they want to, I think, try and share the love there. Malia has got a, a win at the Giro, win at the Tour already this year. Um, and I think there's rumours he's leaving the team as well. I feel like they want to get Phillips in his stage win, even though perhaps on paper, Malia the slightly better option on some finishes. Um, but it's not like Philipson is sprinting badly here. Let's remember that. He's got two second places, um, a third place as well to add to that. So... I'm not sure. I'm not too against them going for Philipson, as as many seem to be, including you, Gil. I'm not against it, but there's a lack of coherency because you can't claim in the media that you are going for Tim Merlier. 
You can't have Petr Vakoc, you can't have Mathieu van der Poel and Neil Diaz say on TV that today we're going for Timalia just to have Jasper Philipsen being led out by Timalia. You either go for one or the other. You can't go for the two of them. It doesn't work in the GC and it doesn't work at all in the sprint classification because they could be fighting for the green jersey. But at this point, they're going to end up having potentially the best combined result in the green jersey. But compared to someone like Mark Cavendish, who's on his own in this team, well, you can't challenge for that. And I think that's that's quite sad because Alpecin Phoenix is an invited team and they have a lot of chances, especially with this sprinting field on this Tour de France, which is far from the greatest we've ever had. I think they could have had a few more chances of getting um, stage wins. We'll see how it goes. I mean, there's still a, few, a lot of sprint stages left on this Tour de France. But yeah, you either go for Melia or Philipson. You don't go for both. It's an interesting take. But uh, anyway, we had the uh, we had the sprint. Alpsen came to the front and it was Alpsen and De Koenig really dominating things at the front. Uh, Cavendish, though, decided to jump onto Philipson's wheel, didn't he? Right at the end, choosing not to go with uh, Michael Morkov, which was quite interesting, but the right move, definitely. And then he did kind of come round Merlia and there was a little coming together. Merlia was definitely squeezed right there. Um, and he was clearly impeded, even though obviously he was leading out, not going to win the stage anyway. Um, Philipson as well, I think, had to stop pedaling briefly as well. What do you think, Guillaume? Any infringements from uh, Cavendish or anyone else today? It's a tough call. It's a tough call uh, because I've I've rewatched this sprint quite a, a numerous amount of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mark Cavendish. So if we, uh, I, I don't have any props to make a scenario here, but Mark Cavendish is on the right. In the middle, you've got Tim Merlier, and on the left, you've got Jasper Philipsen. The two fastest are on the outsides, the slowest rider is in the middle, and that's Tim Merlier. And both Mark Cavendish and Jasper Philipsen converge towards Tim Merlier. He gets squeezed and obviously has to like completely stop his efforts. But the thing is, if, if you DSQ uh, like Cav here, you have to DSQ Philipsen, because they make the exact move, but symmetrical. Cav goes to the left, Jasper Philipsen goes to the right. They both change their lines. At the end of the day, I don't think it's the most blatant of like line deviation. Uh, but if I was the, the, the deviation police, like Benji Nazan is often, I would say that there is a potential DSQ on, on the cards, uh, which would mean that Nasser Bwani would take the win. Uh, oddly enough, he's the only one that actually sprinted in a straight line today. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, for, did he move? Yes. Should he get DSQ for it? I don't think so. Yeah, it's such a difficult call, right? Because if, imagine if they DSQ Mark Cavendish after that win today, it would be uh, oh hell would break loose, I think, um, in the in the world of cycling. But the thing is, if Nasi Buani was in, if if that was Nasi Buani who did exactly what Cavendish did today and won the stage, I'm sure there'll be a lot more people oh, yeah. calling out for him to be disqualified. So that's the thing. Um, I feel like if we we go ahead and say, oh, Mark Cavendish should have should have been disqualified for today's sprint, um, then we're going to be very unpopular. But at the end of the day, a lot of people would probably say it a lot more um, if it was a different rider there, I feel. Absolutely. There's definitely a, a policing regarding the name. If he, if, he had said, if he had been Nassar Bonnet, half of Twitter would have asked for his head. 100%. Yep. Yeah. Now it's Mark Cavendish. It's like, oh my God, he's it's the greatest story of all time. And it is. It's, it's an incredible story. But you have to stick to the rules. This sprint wasn't the cleanest, wasn't the most... Clear cut. I mean, he still got the win. He was the fastest at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, it was um, there, there was potential for a debate. 
Now, if we take a look at the rest of today's top 10 in P4, we've got Arnaud Demar, who actually managed to find his sprinting legs. Uh, and that's P4, having lost his, um, his lead-out man, Jacopo Garnieri, who crashed in the final 2K. Peter Sagan, who had a, a bit of a of shoulder bulging at one point. Case Boltum, Malia Wolvonot, who had gone for himself uh, for the first time on the Tour de France, ended up in P8. Michael Matthews and Matt Pedersen wrapping up the top 10 for the points classification. Well, Mark Evenich now has 46 points over Jasper Philipsen of Alpecin Phoenix. Looking ahead to stage 7 of the Tour de France into Le Creuset, as uh, my my uh, co-host will be very proud of my pronunciations right there. We have the longest stage of the Tour de France, 249 kilometres. This is more like a monument, this race. We have hills in the final and uh, I think 11 KOM points up for grabs. Plenty of kind of short ramps, short one or two kilometre hills that are kind of varying terrains. I know none of the climbs average crazy percentages and none of, uh, and none of them are longer than five kilometers either really but there are some sections which average kind of well over 10 percent. so a very interesting final here with kind of a, a final five or six kilometer section which descends to the line so Guillaume how do you see this stage going um I could I could see tomorrow being the first stage for the breakaway or at least the first stage where the breakaway genuinely have a chance um to to hope for the win um, as we'll head into Le Creusot, as you've uh, brilliantly pronounced. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a very long stage, 250k. Um, so some of the riders, if they go an early move, they'll have to have the legs to, uh, to carry on for such a, such a length. The first 150 kilometers are very much flat, uh, so that shouldn't be too much of an issue. But yeah, the final 100 are uh, quite accidented. We'll, um, we'll have a few climbs. You've mentioned that there's no climb above, like, uh, a huge average gradient uh, but one climb has to be mentioned and it is the penultimate one it's the second cat the first second cat of this Tour de France the Signal Duchamp 5.7 kilometers at an average of 5.5 however however uh, there is a one kilometer downhill portion within that climb mm. um, and the final 2k are actually averaging 10% with with some bonus seconds at the summit and we've seen that they are actually quite important on this Tour de France because they've helped Mathieu van der Poel moving into yellow on stage two. Now, whether the peloton will actually be fighting for them, I don't know, because that would mean that they would have managed to come back on the breakaway uh, with 20k to go. Um, but yeah, and then you'll have Côte de la Gourlois uh, with like eight kilometers until the summit, or sorry, until the end. Final is a full slot. Um, so it's going to be quite tricky. It's not a stage for the faint-hearted, on a good day, someone like Peter Sagan or Michael Matthews could potentially make it. Uh, but I feel like it's going to be either GC or breakaway tomorrow. Yeah, for me, I'm going breakaway. I'm going breakaway for this stage. We haven't had a breakaway win, I don't think, at this tour yet. We had loads at the Giro. Um, and I think this is, is going to be the first breakaway win of uh, the 2021 Tour de France. Maybe someone like Corbrelli or Sagan, like you said, Michael Matthews, maybe... Their best bet is joining the breakaway, um, but I'm not sure how their green jersey rivals will take that because there, there is that intermediate sprint around 115 kilometers into the stage. So um, it would probably take quite a lot of the sprinters being in the breakaway for that to work for those guys. But um, yeah, I think the breakaway are going to win this one, Guillaume. So we both have a similar mindset. Do you have a few names already that you want to maybe throw in uh, as contenders for tomorrow's stage before moving on to our predictions? So... 
Maybe some riders that have lost time in GC, Mike Woods and Alejandro Valverde. But what I'm thinking with those guys is they're good climbers. And we do have some, uh, the first mountains in the Alps coming up on stages eight and nine. So maybe not for those guys just yet. Although I think they could probably win the stage if they're in the breakaway. Other riders, maybe Benoit Cosnefra, Michael Valgren, um, Alex Aaron Brew, maybe for Astana, maybe Ties Benutz. I'm not sure. What do you think about, about those guys? Um, I would tend to agree with most of the names that you've uh, you've mentioned. I'd like to add a few riders from Astana potentially. You've had Arambo. Um, I think Yonizagere or Omar Freyle could uh, have the potential to uh, to do well. Potentially also one rider I'm keeping an eye out on who looked very strong today, and that's Warren Barguil from Arcaz. Samzik Arcaz had a very good start of the Tour de France, getting consecutive podiums with Nasser Bouane. Um, I mean, he's going for the green jersey when you've got Nairman in the team, so I'm not so sure what that's all about. But Warren looked really strong today, bridging to um, to the group with Kasparas Green. So I think he could be one of the the riders to watch out for. And why not? Why not Ides Kelling, who I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. will be in the breakaway going to defend that Polka jersey at least. Yeah, I've got to mention uh, I've got to mention him actually, and also Anthony Perez. Hopefully, we see the battle resume between those two because it was it was fairly brief on I think stage two, but uh, I was. I very much enjoyed that battle. I think it was a uh, a fourth category climb. Those two guys sprinting for that one point was just great. So uh, hopefully that continues tomorrow with more points available to them. Um, so it's now 2-2, Gil, in the prediction game after we both predicted Mark Cavendish correctly already, like you said, on our Twitter, uh, which I'll shout out very quickly. Go follow us there. But um, like you mentioned there, we've already got more points in total than we got over the entire Giro in six stages at the Tour de France, which uh, either says we've learned a lot about cycling in the last two months or we had a, a shocking Giro d'Italia. Uh, I mean, it might might be a bit of both. I think we've had an absolute howl on the Giro. But to be fair, in our defence, uh, no one expected Taco Van Aeron to win on stage three. There was, as you said, a lot of breakaways on the Giros. This Tour de France has been a bit more straightforward. Yeah, but that changes tomorrow. So I'll kick off this, uh, this predictions with... An Omar Friday stage win. He's a rider I, I purposefully didn't mention, but you mentioned him yourself. But I'm I'm backing him to win this stage. I think it suits him a lot. New Spanish champion. He beat Aaron Brew that I think he led out Aaron Brew at mm-hmm. the Spanish Championships and just rode away from everyone. So he's clearly on good form. And I also noticed he did a good time trial as well on stage five. So uh the new Spanish champion, Omar Friday, is my pick to win this stage. Okay. Okay, 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 okay. So I have still a few names in my mind, but I'm mostly going for a Spanish as well, for a Spanish rider as well. Uh, none of them from Astana. I'm torn between one from Movistar and one from Cofidis, and I think I'm going to go for the runner-up of the Spanish Championships to win tomorrow, Jefus Serrada, to take the win in Le Creusot um, ahead of ahead of Magnus Kort Nielsen und und oh, and Ide Schelling. Um, yeah, I, I think it'll be a big breakaway. Um, Warren Barguil will be in the mix, I think, for like a P5 with Benoît Cosnefroy. And the other rider I had in my mind was Ivan Garza Cortina. But mm-hmm. I feel like he may be um, helping Enric Mas for his GCOs. Nice. It's a nice podium. Uh, to round up my podium, I'll go Friday to win, of course. And then I shall go for Benoît Cosnefroy, second place, and Loic Fliegen. Third place Ooh. rider, I don't think we've mentioned yet, but uh, Intermarche rider, fairly good puncher. We'll see. Very well. That, nevertheless, is going to wrap up this daily recap of the Tour de France. We do hope you've enjoyed it. If you did, then please do make sure to subscribe and like over on YouTube, or if you're listening to your respective platforms, make sure to follow the podcast 
to not miss a single upload in the coming days. As, as Joe says, go click down below. We'll see you tomorrow for the daily recap number seven between Vierzon and Le Creusot. Joe, do you have a final word for us? Vamos, Emma. Vamos, Omar, pour former le Vamos, Fretus. See you guys.